Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Hi, this is Charlie Pownall, author of Managing Online Reputation, How to Protect Your Company on Social Media. And you're listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which was named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer in 2016. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we're joined by Charlie Pownall, and we're going to talk about his new book, Managing Online Reputation, How to Protect Your Company on Social Media. Charlie Pownall is Managing Director of Communications at Reputation Consultancy, CPC and Associates. He draws on 20 years' experience in public relations, government communications, advocacy, and digital and social media marketing to advise companies, public sector bodies, and individuals to protect, manage, and defend their reputations. Prior to his current role, he was Regional Managing Director at Public Relations Consultancy Burson Marsteller, responsible for the agency's digital and social media capabilities across Asia-Pacific, and was Global Communications Manager at Advertising and Marketing Network WPP. He started his career as a speechwriter and press officer at the European Commission. A regular commentator and speaker at conferences, business schools, and universities, and, and now the Marketing Book Podcast. He is based in London, and he was once a bass player for, as he says, a very bad rock band. Charlie, congratulations on managing online reputation, and welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you very much, Douglas. It's great to be here. So uh, you worked at WPP. I did, too. There's probably a few hundred thousand of us who are <laughs> alumni of that uh, of that organization. It's a, uh, I guess it's been described as an advertising uh, or marketing services holding company. I worked in the, I started in the late '80s in New York working at J. Walter Thompson right after WPP had acquired that agency, uh, before they acquired YNR and all the others. And uh, you uh, mentioned the, I guess he's the chairman. Sir Martin Sorrell in the book, and you worked with him, and you knew him. Um, I rode the elevators with him in New York. Uh, that's about as close as I ever got. What, what was it like uh, working with Martin Sorrell? Well, um, first of all, you know he's the CEO, so he was the founder of this uh, funny little organization that uh, actually bought a, a, a manufacturer of supermarket trolleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted he wanted a listed entity on the London Stock Exchange. And, Wasn't it uh, wire and plastic products or something? That's exactly right. Uh, wire and plastic products, and they made supermarket trolleys. Um, and uh, so he bought that, and uh, then he you know he acquired JWT, and then Ogilvy, and then you know as you say, various other uh, big networks and, and a lot of smaller things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as a guy, I mean, you know, I, I would say, uh, you know, pretty much everything you read about him is true. Um, and, 
the reason I say that is because you know, unlike many um, uh, kind of uh, high-profile business people, CEOs, he is constantly in touch with people, journalists, um, and other types of people who are writing about the industry, analyzing the industry, you know, clients as well, obviously. And it's, you know, it's very direct. His model is a very direct one. You know, he's not one of these guys who will put a PR person up in front of him as a way of trying to, you know, uh, limit access or even stop access or, or something like that. He's someone who lives very openly. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's, uh, he's known as someone who's very tough, uh, who works incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very demanding and exacting of the people who work for him. Um, and, um, and he's very direct. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's no two ways about that. Uh, but that said, you know, he's also, um, a fascinating guy to work for. He's, you know, he's got a great brain. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, you know, anyone who's worked with him or around him will tell you he's got an extraordinary capacity to remember numbers. I mean, he he is uh, an accountant after all. Yeah, wasn't he the finance uh, person behind the Saatchis? That's exactly right. He was CFO for Saatchis, um, and then he left and 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 started up WPP. So I mean, you know, he uh, he refers to himself as a bean counter, <laughs> uh, but um, but actually, you know, he's got a tremendously broad knowledge and and real interest in in the industry and obviously is hugely well connected um so um so you know going back to what i said earlier i think you know what what you read about him is mostly true um and um and he does operate this very open model and i think uh you know it, it really is what you see is what you get and i think you know that he's he, you know i commend him for that i think it's a, it's a, it's a brave model in many ways but it's a good one Whenever I see an interview with him in a magazine or a website, I, I'm interested in reading it just because of his insights about the, the industry, the marketing. And I'm, I'm not so interested in, in reading about his companies, but normally he's being interviewed and he's asked about these really big trends as it relates to marketing and services and you know to the agency world. So, well, that's interesting. Well, let's get on to the book here. And I want to start with... <laughs> One thing that I saw on page 40, and then we'll get into it. And you said, thanks to social media, activism once limited to students, tree huggers, and political dissidents is now the opium of suburban housewives and white-collar workers across the world. (laughs) So, Charlie, (laughs) tell us about the book, how it came to be, why you wrote it, and who you had in mind when you were writing it. (laughs) Yeah, um, well... You know, the book um, came about, uh, actually, I, I was approached by Macmillan, uh, the publisher, um, to write another book and kind of got some way down the line on that. Uh, and for various uh, reasons, which I won't bore your readers with now, I ended up actually kind of moving off in a slightly different direction and writing a book about online reputation as well. Why? Because that's what I've been doing for the last, uh, you know, 10, 15 years is, is working with governments and with companies and others around reputation and around online reputation. And the, you know, the feeling I had um, and the feeling that Macmillan had is that whilst there are a lot of books and there's a lot of stuff out there generally about brand building and digital marketing in a broad sense, there's not very much stuff out there at all about, um, or at least not very much good stuff out there uh, about um, 
uh, online reputation defense. You know, what do you do when the shit hits the fan, so to speak? Mm-hmm. And how, and indeed, how do you stop the, the shit hitting the fan? <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, there was, we felt there was, a, there was a gap in the market there. It just so happens that that's the kind of stuff I do. Uh, so, uh, so I was very pleased to, 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 uh, to, to do something on this. And, uh, so the way I went about it was to, was really, uh, I guess, to pull together some of my own experiences to draw on what I, you know, have observed to be best practices, but also, uh, I went out there and talked to a bunch of folk who I thought would add something extra to the uh, to the puzzle, so to speak. Um, and these are people who, you know, tradi- rather sit outside of the digital marketing stroke social media community. And these included people like IT security experts, mm-hmm. IP lawyers, defamation libel lawyers, risk managers, corporate affairs type people. Because I wanted to get a kind of look at the bigger picture here. And to get a sense of not just looking at kind of reputation from a customer perspective, but also but from a broader stakeholder perspective. Mm-hmm. And to really get a sense of what some of the kind of, not just some of the stuff that we read about day to day. I mean, we read about, you know, marketing campaigns backfiring or we read about, you know, IT security breaches and this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But there are also a whole bunch of other, st- you know, things out there that we are needing, companies, individuals even are needing to look at. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get a sense of that, get a sense of, you know, when people say, you know, one of the big problems with social media is that it's all about, you know, the, the, the biggest threat, and I hear this over and over again, is, is kind of reputational. But actually, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by a reputational threat? Is it different to a threat to our business? And if so, how? And it's kind of start to get into that kind of stuff a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 um, so, you know, it, 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 this was part of a kind of shorter series called Paul Grave Pocket Pocket Consultants published by Macmillan. Paul Grave is their uh, their business imprint. And so it's kind of 60,000 words as opposed to 90 or 100 which is the typical book length as I understand it. So there's you know you're dealing with a relatively short format here so we c- couldn't get into everything but kind of you know try to try to delve around a little bit in some interesting nooks and crannies and and give up and, and so coming back to your question here about who is written for, I mean, this is really written for the, the business manager who is looking at digital and social and going, what does it mean for us? Right. Um, right. And uh, so this is not really written for, you know, s- digital marketers or social media guys who will have, you know, a view on a certain amount of what's in the book, maybe not all of it, but a certain amount of it. Yeah, I, I got the sense that it was uh – well, obviously, you write a book for multiple audiences, but if a CEO is losing sleep at night worrying about this kind of thing, they could read this book and be very well informed as to how to deal with their corporate communications folks and what questions to ask and what steps to take. That was my take on it. <laughs> That's exactly what it's all. So, in other words, they don't have time to read a lot of these books, but they could read this one. And and, and I think that. Again, my take, and I may be the only one, but this book is a little bit of a uh, blood pressure uh, medicine because I think that somebody who is worried about these things and is fearful of them 
could read this and say, "Oh gosh, you know what? I I, I didn't. I don't have quite as much to worry about as I thought I did. Um, we do need to do a few things, but I, I'm I'm just not as I'm not as concerned." But let me go back. I was just going to say the issues you talk about are largely brought on by technology because the concept of much of what you talk about is nothing new. And yeah. it warmed the cockles of my English major heart when you quoted Jonathan Swift and you said, you quoted him as saying, falsehood flies and the truth comes limping after it. You could, you could have, and now even more so with things being able to get around the world you know, in the, in the blink of an eye or faster. Mm. Um, but let's go uh, at one point in the book. Oh, let me back up. I'm sorry. The book, just for the listener's benefit, it's in three parts. And the first part is understanding the threats. Second part, managing the incidents. And then the third part is handling crises. So mm. the first part, I don't know if this was your intent, but um, I think it basically grabs the reader by the lapels and says, this stuff could happen to you. And I think there were even a few things in there I had not heard of that, that were going on in, in the world of, uh, you know, crises and, and that type of thing. Um, and then you, you lay out a path uh, for them to, to be able to do that. But what was interesting to me is you said that reputational risk is now regarded as the second most important risk after financial risk. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, why do... So many organizations downplay the uh, reputational aspects of the social web. Well, that's a that's a great question, and uh, yeah, maybe there's two sides to that question. I, I I would argue. I think you're right. I think some organizations do underplay it. They haven't, you know, they haven't got their heads around really the the widespread nature of the potential risks. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, those risks differ you know, per country, per company, per industry. Um, uh, so yeah, I think there, there are some, some organizations out there who are underestimating the risks. Uh, and I think partly it's, it's because they, you know, many organizations have come at social media initially from a digital marketing or from a PR perspective. Mm-hmm. And they're not looking at it in, or haven't until recently, say, looked at it in a broader sense. So one of the things that became very clear to me, having done some research and worked in this area for a, wee, a while, is that, you know, for instance, digital marketers and PR guys are you know, they're pretty familiar with, with, with most of the risks, at least. I don't know. I think in reading that first part of the book, it was like driving by some really bad traffic accidents. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I just I, saw some of those things you described and I said, holy cow, I didn't know people yeah, were doing that sort of thing. Okay, well, the, you know, I, maybe, I've underestim- to it. maybe I've underestimated that. But I mean, I, one, one thing I have seen is that, you know, functions within la- particularly large organizations which have traditionally been responsible for risk management, say, mm-hmm. uh, have not yet really got their heads around this right. area. Uh, and this is a disconnect. Um, and um, so, you know, for instance, at board level, uh, big listed companies, you know, you tend to have a risk committee. Uh, and the risk committee is responsible for managing the business risks uh, and the reputational risks, uh, or should be at least. But they have not understood really the impact that 
the internet and social media is having on both existing business risks and reputational risks, but also the new kinds of risks that are coming in as a result of the internet and social media. So I talk in the book about the social web having really, I think of it as three, it impacts reputation in three ways. It's both a, a trigger for things happening. It's mostly an amplifier, but also a sustainer. Um, so, you know, things, uh, you know, play out on the long tail of search engines and, and, and the social web. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, many organizations have not kind of aligned their existing corporate reputational strategy with what's going on there out on the web. And this is causing some problems. Right. You know, at one point, uh, Charlie, you mentioned Don, Donald Rumsfeld, who was the American uh, Secretary of Defense a couple times, most recently under uh, President George W. Bush during the Iraq War. And can you explain for the listener the concept that he popularized that I think is really uh, very applicable to managing online reputation? And it's about you know known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns, <laughs> as only Rumsfeld could have described it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had there was a documentary made, and I think called the Unknown Unknowns about him, wasn't oh, it? Oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, this is I, I put this in because I mean, first of all, it's obviously uh, an interesting use of uh, terminology or fr- phraseology, is what you say, and you know, he, he gained a certain amount of notoriety. As a result of it, um, for better or for worse, but um, but there's basically things that you know, yeah, and there's things you don't know. But then, at least from managing online reputation, there are there are unknown things that you're not even thinking about. Right? Is that correct? It, yeah, that's right. So that this is why I put it. It's just a way of thinking about some of these problems. And so you know, a known known is a known problem, and this can be you know, for instance, if you if you know you've got poor customer service, then you know, you know, you you know, you can be absolutely sure that that's going to play out online, mm-hmm. almost guaranteed, it, almost guaranteed, and it can be off bad offline customer service or bad online customer service. Both are going to cause you trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a known known. You know, you have a customer service issue. Fine. A known unknown is more. I, I think of it more as a behavioral thing. So you where you have. I mean, let's say, let's take an example, say, of an environmental issue. Uh, so you know that you are polluting this river, okay? That your factory is emitting some kind of effluent into the river. <laughs> well, All right? Somebody in the or, boardroom knows this. Yeah. Or, yeah, right, hopefully. Somebody in your organization should know this. Yeah, yeah, and they do. They always do. <laughs> and they do. They do, but it's just not widely, you know, widely known. Right. Uh, the question then becomes, from a social or an online perspective, is – what form is the problem going to manifest itself online? That's often the unknown component. So, you know, if, if, you, if you have a problem releasing effluent into a river uh, and say it is known about externally, but you kind of continue doing it or you do it on a kind of, you know, every now and again, but you kind of gain a reputation for it. And then you get, say, Friends of the Earth or Greenpeace. They start to camp themselves at your door. That's a, that's that to me is a kind of almost almost like a known threat, mm-hmm. uh, because you know you know who these guys are. You kind of know the way they operate. But what they're doing online is 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 becoming very fascinating, and you know it's become a key platform for them. And they're doing some really innovative things. And the difficulty then is to know what they're going to do. 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's the unknown. So that's a known unknown. Is 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 really kind of it's the manifestation of offline behavior online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the uh, 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 a um, uh, an unknown unknown is a black swan. That's Explain a, a black swan. Is a well based on Taleb's book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I hear it all swan, the time black, uh, in political yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Well, a black swan is is something which uh, is totally unexpected, mm-hmm. um, and is something you cannot forecast. So, going back to Rumsfeld, you know, he brought this up at a press conference uh, in uh, when he was really defending uh, the U.S. and its uh, lack of knowledge about nine eleven, and he said, you know, that we just did not, we could never forecast these guys coming at us in planes, um, and this was a totally this was something that was we had not planned for, mm-hmm. and we did not know how to plan for. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, I think in an unlo- in an online context, um, you know, there is quite a lot of stuff out there which, you know, potentially, you know, can damage you. But the problem is knowing what it is. You know, it might be stuff that's sitting out on the dark web. Right, um, right. Or it could be, you know, from more from a kind of strategic point of view, it could be, you know, a competitor who is about to launch some kind of, you know, really savage smear campaign on you. And, yeah. you know, the, you don't get that, you know, that latter one so much, uh, you know, from what I can see anyway in the West. But in China, I've been based in Hong Kong for the last five years doing quite a lot of work in East Asia and particularly China. And, you know, there you see smears happening all the time and they're very visible and very upfront. So in, in a sense, that's not a, <laughs> an, an, an unknown unknown in China, but in the West it often is. Yeah. Uh, in the book, you talk about what some of the more common threats are as you're walking folks through is just uh, perhaps to help them get in touch with their unknown unknowns. And you talk about... Um, customers and rogue employees and mm. seriously committed activists, mm. hostile journalists, and even backfiring marketing campaigns, which, you know, mm. as a someone who came from an advertising background, I, just, <laughs> I had to laugh, but I, I realized it was really <laughs> uh, very serious where people are hijacking things, uh, you know, hashtags like McDonald's and the NYPD and that type of thing. But you also talk that it's it's easy to overestimate the power of online activists. I thought that was interesting. What, what, what do you mean by that? You talk about like slacktivists and, and armchair activists mm. as if to say it's not quite as uh, much you need to worry about uh, as you might first think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, this is a very interesting area, I think, and it's, and it's one that, you know, I think uh, if you look, if you talk about you know, talk to organizations like, you know, say BP or some of the big energy companies, you know, this is, you know, they are very conscious of activism online, particularly, you know, by the big NGOs, uh, activist campaign, campaign groups like Greenpeace. And they, you know, they make it their business to watch these guys and, and to try and understand them. Um, but, you know, I think there are, I, you know, there are people who say, you know, you can never underestimate the power of the web. And I think there's a lot in that. Um, you know, these guys are using the web very aggressively to raise money, to, uh, to you know, to, to, to gain visibility, to, to drive awareness uh, and to, to, and to cause problems. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the fact that, you know, there are marketing campaigns that are exploding. Well, sometimes that's just simply as a result of kind of purely opportunistic 
uh, attacks by people like Greenpeace who, you know, who see, say, a company like Volkswagen saying something that may be hypocritical or very open-ended, and they think, right, here we go. Here's a chance to disrupt things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think sometimes so, it's the marketing people not talking to a single customer before they launch. <laughs> well, they, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. but enough about basics. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so I mean, that <laughs> marketing people talking to themselves, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of that going on out there. Yeah, there's quite a lot of that going on. But I think, you know, so this is, uh, you know, these guys are very smart. They, they, they can be very opportunistic. They can also, you know, really... Uh, they're getting very creative as well mm-hmm. um, in some of the campaigns they're, they're waging. So this can have an effect, uh, and it can be very damaging. Um, but, you know, the flip side of this is also that, uh, um, you know, and it comes back to this whole question about kind of likes and what do they mean. I mean, you know, there's this term slacktivism. I'm sure many many of your readers have heard of it. You know, where we can kind of sit at a computer and we, you know, we get sent, you know, a campaign by a friend asking us, you know, can we back a campaign about X, Y, or Z? Uh, and we but think But don't ask idea. me so, to get off the couch to change the channel. <laughs> right, exactly. So I'll just press like and, you know, and then I can walk away and feel good about life. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go down and protest in the street. So I'm not going to, you know, I, that's it. That's the end of my involvement. Mm-hmm. So this is, uh, you know, this is interesting for for and and I think difficult for companies because you know you say you see something with kind of you know fifty thousand likes on it, and you go well, what wow. exactly? Yeah, what a lot of social proof. Those guys are really uh, right. What got is a lot that? Of, that's fifty thousand followers uh, that are rabid and going to show up at my door. Yeah, that's so probably what, the perception, right. but it's not so, really true. So what so what does it mean actually? Yeah. Uh, and that's a difficult one. Now, I think actually, you know, with with the introduction of Facebook reactions, for instance, I think that, you know we'll start to get a slightly more uh, a truer view of this. I think I think uh, you know I welcome this uh, this 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 shift um, strongly. I think it's a, a very good move. Um, whether you know we need to get a little bit more, um, you know, uh, you need to, we, we, we need to get a feel of exactly really what people are thinking and doing here. Mm-hmm. And that's but why Facebook's doing it, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> For their own uh, benefit. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think, you know, so, so I do think there's an element here of, of um, you know, yes, it can be very powerful, but we don't know when it's going to be very powerful. But actually, in many cases, it's not that potentially powerful, but precisely because actually the people involved are not particularly involved. You know, there was, a, there was the article that Malcolm Gladwell wrote for uh, New Yorker where he talked about, um, you know, the revolution is not going to be on Twitter, or I can't remember exactly the name of the article, but it caused a lot of um, a, a lot of commentary a few years ago. Uh, and he, you know, his thesis was that uh, that actually most you know, online campaigns of various types, I mean, and of this, I mean, of an activist variety as opposed to marketing campaigns, are uh, just fizzle out. You know, they go nowhere. Uh, and it's because people aren't very involved and because of the kind of loose tie nature of relationships on the web. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, that was a pretty controversial article. But I think actually, if you think about it, it's true. Yeah. So, Charlie... You know, as as a citizen of the UK, uh, I was very pleased when I saw that you quoted Dwight Eisenhower in the book. And uh, you know, Dwight Eisenhower, he commanded the General Eisenhower commanded the uh, D-Day invasion. He later became a U.S. president. 
But I think his greatest challenge in life was probably managing the egos of General Patton and General Montgomery. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what always impresses me about the guy. Um, but uh, he said, uh, plans are useless, but planning is useful. And that was, I think, one of the, the, the great benefits of the book. And uh, you take people through what to think about. And I think if they spent like a day going through the way you outline this, they are going to feel so much better just because they're, you know, somewhat prepared. You also quoted Sun Tzu from The Art of War, where you said, if you know your enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. Mm-hmm. And you talk about the second part of the book is about managing incidents and then handling crisis. What is the difference between an incident and a crisis? Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Good question. Well, I, I see there are actually four varieties of, uh, should we say, severity of, of, of kind of issues uh, for what, or, or negative situations, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the first uh, I would think of as a problem. You know, these are the kind of day-to-day issues that you deal with, these you know, customer service problems, for instance. And you, you, you deal with them, and in 99.5% of cases, uh, there's not a problem. And Like when and, FedEx uh, delivery men threw the right. computer monitor over somebody's uh, gate. Okay. okay, so that... And that it was is, caught on, that was caught on a security camera. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, a, that's a different uh, level of, of, of issue. I mean, that, you know, was... So that, that was not an incident? No, no, no. So, sorry. Let me just uh, maybe I'll just start again and and just. So, I think there are four levels of incidents uh, in here. I actually only talk about two in the book. There's, there are day to day problems. Then there are longer term issues. These are, you know, this can be an environmental problem, say, or you know, some kind of political problem which you know may impact your business. The, the you know, so they tend to rumble on. And in classic, when you if you talk to a crisis communications expert, they'll say, you know. Most crises come from incident, uh, sorry, from issues that have been allowed to fester too long, and then they spiral up and become really big problems. So there are so there are problems, problems are day to day. Issues are longer term um, and can fester. Then there are incidents. Incidents, to my mind, are things that kind of come out of you know spiral up very quickly and often actually disappear very quickly. Um, and these are things like exactly the FedEx thing. Uh, where you know you get the where the where where the where the guy is caught throwing the monitor over the the rail and it spirals up into a reputational problem for you know a couple of days and then you know it kind of disappears and then a crisis is a different level of problem which is um, you know a bona fide business problem where which involves the very senior management of your company including often the CEO. So here I'm you know, talking about um, Mexico Gulf oil spill type problems, um, you know, where you get paralysis of the company. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, there's a difference between, to my mind, between all these four categories. And, uh, you know, the reason I, I focused, uh, I, I mean, my observation is I've been, you know, I've done a lot of crisis work ever, really ever since I started my career 20 plus years ago. Uh, and, you know, you, you, you the, these things happen, uh, and they happen to many many organisations. And uh, what you just you, you don't want too many happening to you. That's that's the kind of secret. But one thing that I have noticed uh, very clearly is that um, the with the advent of the internet and uh, particularly of the social web, is you're seeing many more of these kind of short, sharp shop 
incident type events happening mm -hmm. where something happens, it spirals up, there's a nasty problem, everyone starts talking about it, uh, and then you know, something maybe you know you address the issue or something happens, or social media, the, the, the community kind of jumps on the person who's creating the problem saying you're being unfair. Whatever the reason, it kind of goes away after a you know pretty short period of time. It can can spiral up into a crisis. It, it usually doesn't, but it sometimes does. Mm -hmm. um, it seems I, like there's I would, a lot more paper cuts. <laughs> right. Well, you see, I you see, I, I one of the things I uh, uh, observed is it or, you know is that there's a lot of talk about crises, but actually most of them are not crises. Mm -hmm. Um, the, and there's this term that I've seen flying around for many years, which I don't like at all, called social media crisis. You may have seen this. I mean, to me, that's, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, a crisis is a crisis. I mean, do we have radio crises or, you know, <laughs> TV crises or luxury magazine crises? No, we don't. Uh, we have crises. Crises yeah, and it's, live, it's very the crises much, live across all channels, you know. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's analogous to um, companies that say they're blaming social media for all these problems. Yeah. <laughs> they're not it, social media problems. They're problems it, it, with their company or the way they treat their customers. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now, I mean, you know, some of these problems do come from social media. And those are, you know, what I think of as triggers, and uh, and they can cause problems, but they usually don't cause a crisis. Mm -hmm. um, they can they can they can they can have a, you you can make a nasty incident, but it's very rarely a crisis. Yeah, uh, in yeah. in the real sense, um, you know, where you have got to pull together your crisis team and your CEO is going to be at the you know in the room making decisions about you know what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and it's important, I think, that, you know, when you're, you know, particularly a kind of a slightly larger type of company, I mean, you know, a, a bad customer service issue can bring a small company down. If you, you know, your restaurant or hotel or something and somebody really causes a stink online, uh, it can actually close your business. And that, I don't that's, know. It that, seems like that, you have to have the uh, the company has to participate in bringing themselves down. <laughs> well, that's off, that's often the case. Yeah. So I mean, I talk about there's an instance I talk about in the book of of a, uh, a, a, a of a bunch of guys who go out on the, on the town in India. They they end up in uh, outside Delhi and they end up in a, um, uh, a, a, a in a kind of restaurant bar there and uh, they get into a scrap with the management and the management uh, kind of haul them off down to the police station and then you know uh, accuse them publicly of defamation now that really raises stakes and that of course attacks the interests of the traditional media who then run the story and you know they get into they have a real problem and that actually that that single incident ended up with the, with the uh, the bar in question closing well, and I think the bar owner had quite a bit to do with uh, absolutely I their mean, own demise. Yeah, so. no, sure, but um, but you know, in most instances, you were talking. You know, bigger organizations are more resilient. You know, a single negative review is not going to is not going to be a big problem. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, there are other things out there that can be big problems. Mm -hmm. Um, and so you just got to kind of think this through and what, you know, so one of the things we try and go through in this book is, is to say, well, listen, you know, you do need to think carefully here about, you know, both the likelihood, you know, you have, you have an existing risk of some description, uh, what's the impact of the online and social media environment on that? Um, you know, does it in any way change that risk? Does it make it more serious? And, you know, 
does it make it more likely that that risk is actually going to manifest itself somehow? And if it does, then what's the what's the likely impact both on your business oper- from an operational standpoint, but also uh, on your reputation? Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. kind of getting people to think through that process a little bit. That that was a big uh-huh. takeaway for me on the book is just think it through. It's almost as if a CEO could hand this to one of their corporate communications people and say, "Take us through this process as best you can. Just think it through." You know, just the other day I was with a new client and we were just going through a simple SWOT analysis, and there were serious light bulbs going off over their heads. Just the fact that they were going through the process. Right. Um, exactly. And I, 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 that's one of the things I thought was, was very important. There was one line that you, you turn a very good phrase, uh, Charlie, and there was one line that just made me laugh out loud and, well, several, but not that this is a comedy book, but you said, <laughs> crises attract rumors like a rotten carcass attracts fleas. A stench made even more acute by the ease with which conspiracy theorists Board bloggers and opportunistic competitors can now say something misleading or entirely untrue about you online. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true, I think. Oh, uh, absolutely. absolutely. You know, and uh, I, I mean, it, it, and there's a partly a cultural point. I mean, I, I mentioned uh, China earlier, didn't um, But, you know, w- one thing that you do see uh, when you work in Asia quite a bit is that, you know, if a company has, a, if a competitor of yours has a crisis, uh, then, um, or, or you know, a company has a crisis. Then, as sure as hell, you can, you can, you, you know, what you, you, what you can expect to see is their competitors jumping on them. Mm. <laughs> now, that's kind of not seen as really acceptable in, in the West. Uh, it doesn't happen that much. Uh, you know, if you see, uh, you know, BP having a problem out in the Gulf of Mexico, you, we didn't see Esso or Exxon or, or or Shell or others kind of jumping on them and, you know, trying <laughs> well, to get. Well, they could be next. To, well, exactly. They exact, and that's part of the, exactly that's part of the reason why they don't do it. But um, you know, th- there's a kind of code of honor there, uh, yeah. and it, you don't you don't you don't really jump on your competitor. Whereas China, you absolutely do, and you should expect it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Charlie, so, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Well, I think it's the point you've just made, uh, Douglas. I think it's you know it's it's prepare properly, and uh, and, th- and kind of think laterally while you're doing that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, all sorts of different issues out there. You know, and uh, I talk about the different types of threats, uh, kind of you know from strategic and financial, behavioral, environmental, and so on. Think through those. Think through. You know the likelihood of those happening and their potential impact, uh, and uh, and you know do so in a, in an integrated way, uh, and then it's you know once you've done that assessment, then it's thinking about you know, okay, so when these things happen, how are we going to respond? Mm-hmm. And you know so so uh, I think there are uh, you know there are really four components of a response. We won't go into it now, but uh, you know there there's not just the communications response. And I think this is traditionally. Where many organisations have come from is, oh, you know, you think it's a, if it's a reputational issue, then it's a PR problem. Well, yes and no. And uh, so, you know, you've obviously, as you said earlier, you know, if it's a business problem, you've got to sort the business problem out. Then, then you go in with a PR, a PR response. But you also but, but mean, really do fix the business problem. Yeah, you've got to fix. <laughs> a the lot business. of them don't even do that. Right, you've got to fix the business problem. They, that's that's at the core of all this. But the, you know, it's not just PR that's a, a weapon here. You know, you may. Also also need to use legal tools 
and uh, and equally you know there are a variety of technological tools out there which can which can be brought into play as well mm-hmm. by which i mean you know things like seo and uh, you know google right to be removed and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, so uh, so there are all sorts of tools out there and it's kind of I think this is a really interesting area is how these four response components kind of mesh together. So the business, the communication, the legal, and the technological mm-hmm. uh, response and how those mesh is a, is, a, is a very fascinating space. But to go back to your question, yeah, it's about prepare, thinking things through, preparing thoroughly and properly. Yeah, I think if companies think that they don't run any risk, they ought to at least just read the first part of the book. I don't mm-hmm. care how small your company is. Just read the first part, and then you can see, oh, wow, yeah, I could see that happening. Because you also talk about small businesses that are uh, wrestling with some of these things, same issues. And then the, the, the latter part of the book is just to help you prepare. And there's only so much preparation you can do, but just the fact that you prepare, you're going to do so much better than a lot of the train wrecks you describe uh, in the book. So, Charlie, you've had a pretty interesting career. What books have inspired it? Oh gosh, <laughs> lots, I guess. But I mean, more recently, you know, probably a couple of books that stand out for me. Uh, you know, we'd be, we're here talking about kind of the internet and uh, digital and social. Mm-hmm. I thought um, Christopher Barge's book, The Social Media Strategist, was great. Uh, and you know, Chris, you know, was uh, head of um, was head of social at, uh, at General Motors. And uh, over quite a period, and uh, and he had to deal with the chapter eleven and all that stuff. And it is a uh, is a fascinating insight into how to build confidence in social media within large organisations. Hmm. Um, and it's a it's a great read. He he writes very well, um, and I think it's to me it's you know it's there's a lot of there are a lot of books by consultants such as me, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but to get it from the, it, the get the inside view, I think is really really valuable. Yeah, um, well, not to and, shortchange yourself. There's lots of examples that you share that you actually wrestled with or uh, colleagues of yours did in your book. It, it, yeah, I talk about a few. There's not, some, it's not some theory of the, here. There's not a lot of theory. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I mean, I tried to make this readable and practical and kind of common sense. And I think, you know, so I do talk about some of the stuff I, I've had to deal with. Um, but I can't, you know, some of the stuff has, I can't talk about also. So there's yeah, obviously a lot of stuff I can't talk about in yeah. there, which I, and is not in the book. But I think, you know, Chris, 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 Chris Barge's book is great because it's, it feels very personal and it feels very relevant. Oh, we'll make sure um, to, uh, to and, link that up in the and Yeah, I mean, if you, could, if you could interview him, I think that would be great. Oh, well, that's interesting. I didn't know about that one, but this is probably one of my favorite parts of the interviews where I get to learn about the other <laughs> books. So uh, add them to my reading list. Uh, well, are there any? And then, and then, and then, just sorry, just one other book oh, I, I, read, yeah. I read recently, which I thought was just terrific. And in fact, uh, it was was Michael Woodford's book on the whole Olympus saga. Now, the reason that's interesting to me is for a number of well, a number of different reasons why I think it's interesting. I mean, you know, he, so he was the CEO of Olympus. He found out there was all this fraud going on, and he then basically stepped out. Well, he got kind of sacked from his global CEO role, uh, and ended up kind of waging a campaign against the Olympus board. You know, this resulted in all this uh, fraudulent activity becoming apparent, and uh, he ended up winning a lawsuit for un, you know unfair dismissal and uh, defamation. I think it was uh, against against the Olympus board, and it, it is a very you know it's a very fascinating insight into first of all kind of Japanese business culture. 
but also, I think from you know from an uh, from a reputational an online reputational perspective, it's it's really interesting as well because he he and uh, an advisor he had outside the company used social media as a way of putting pressure on Olympus employees to back him. Mm. Oh, it was fascinating. Uh, you talk about I, it in your book too. Yeah. So so I interviewed him. It was almost him. unbelievable. Yeah, and I interviewed him for my book, uh, and he's a, he's a fascinating guy, um, and uh, and you know, and 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 has for actually not a huge amount of knowledge about social media, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. He could see the potential, so mm-hmm. you know, he and you know, so he went and did live interviews with um, uh, a, a Japanese uh, YouTube equivalent called Nico Nico Duga, and and you know, made the case to Olympus employees to support him in his case against their own board and this is you know this is just i I think this is a really fascinating area and one of the ways that social can be used in a very kind of strategic manner and um uh, so so he was he was great he gave up some time and uh, i sat down with him and interviewed from the book and he also actually uh, very kindly provided an endorsement for the book so you know for lots of different reasons, it's a great read. It's very interesting about kind of about Japanese business culture, I think, principally, but also you know it, it is very interesting about about reputational type um, situations. Yeah, it was almost like reading a, a screenplay idea <laughs> about <laughs> about the story that he had there. Yeah. So, um, how best can listeners uh, learn more about you and your book? Uh, well, then go to my website, which is uh, charliepownallpownall.com. Uh, there's information there. The book's on uh, in, on in print and uh, as an ebook on Amazon. Um, I think those are probably the two best places. It is also is being stocked in good in good bookstores. So you know, and you know, if anybody has any questions, uh, they're very welcome to to email me. Just go to my website and use the contact uh, form, or uh, or give me a call. Okay. Well, great. Closing quote. The Chinese say that a crisis is both danger and opportunity. It can knock you for six, but is also like a snake shedding its skin, a chance to purify and renew oneself. As such, crises should be approached as opportunities to look both inwards and outwards and to reflect on where you've gone wrong and how you can improve. A crisis can also provide valuable insights into your enemy and the strength of your defense on the battlefield. And with the social web now a fixed part of the terrain, it is no accident that it often takes a serious incident for a CEO to wake up and smell the coffee. Of course, nobody likes being forced to change, and it is your job to make sure this doesn't happen. But if it does, grab the bull by the horns and use social for what it is good at, providing rich insights into your customers and stakeholders and the opportunity to build truly strong, mutually beneficial relationships. The name of the book is Managing Online Reputation, How to Protect Your Company on Social Media. The author is Charlie Pownell. Charlie, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much for inviting me, Douglas. And that closes the book on Episode 68 of the Marketing Book Podcast. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of what you can learn about modern marketing. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com for show notes, free resources, and marketing guides. And while there, make sure to sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. Again, that's marketingbookpodcast.com. I love to hear from listeners like you. I really do. Is there a book you've read that I could feature on the show? I'd love to hear about it. 
So tweet me up using hashtag marketingbook or just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave me a message. And please join us next time as we talk with Nick Westergaard about his new book, Get Scrappy, Smarter Digital Marketing for Businesses Big and Small. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.